the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K Show, the first new Andrea K Show that is of twenty twenty four. Every year, it's so crazy. It's so hard to adjust your brain around, I don't even know how many of you even write the date anymore. How many people even write the date down anymore? But every time I do at the beginning of a new year, it's just the weirdest thing ever, particularly as you get older and the years just fly by so much more quickly. Remember how when you were a kid, you just think, at least for me, we just thought Christmas was never going to roll around again, right? I mean, the day after Christmas, we'd be counting the days <laughs> to the next one because <laughs> we didn't get presents every day like kids do today. And then you get older and it's just, you don't know where the years go. Uh, 2023, we spent a lot of time last uh, Friday night wrapping up the year. Uh, we're going to be spending some time in the next week. After we catch up with the latest news, we're going to be spending some time maybe talking about in the next few days about predictions for 2024 and how we see things playing out. I'm curious to hear from you. Email me in andreacasia.com, andreacasia.com. What are your predictions for 2024? Do you have any predictions that you want to share about the election this year, about what's going to happen with any of the issues that we face as a nation? What are your hopes, your dreams? I'd like to hear from you personally as well. I remember one year I'd had a tough year in sales at Xerox. And I didn't make the president's club that I wanted, which is where you win the big trip. And I remember it had been a tough year. And I remember one of my fellow coworkers, Yvonne Duhame said to me, uh, he said that every year at the beginning of the year, everybody has their pants down. And what he meant was we all start at the same place. The race starts all over again. And maybe that analogy doesn't mean as much to people that aren't in sales and don't have a year in quota and year in achievements. But I think most people in America are goal oriented, have ideas for what they want to achieve in a year. And even if years didn't come true for 2023, you get to start over again. Every day is a new day. Every day that we wake up, we have an opportunity for something new. And certainly I love a fresh start. I love letting go of the past and just looking with hope and optimism to the future. And even though I place my hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the things that I've learned as 2023 ended a five-year ordeal for me, that the Lord met me every day. I had to put my trust in him with no idea of how things were going to end. And one of the things that I learned is that I had to walk in step with the Lord. I didn't get to just go to sleep and pray and wake up and have a miracle come. I had to, I had to keep stepping out in faith. And so that's what we have to do. We have to just, the Lord will meet us where we are. We got to be optimistic in him, but we got to do our part and work hard. So that's my new year's message to you guys. 
I love you all so much. You've been so supportive of me over the years. And I look forward to us having a whole lot of fun as we go forward into 2024. One of the things 2023 did for me was it brought me this dude. I had never eaten sesame broccolini before. And now I can't live without it on my dish. Here he is kicking off 2024 DJ Sesame Broccolini. I love me some sesame broccolini. This guy, fiery like a dragon. Like a dungeon dragon. High heat. Sesame. Broccolini. You know, you make a good point. In all, in all the in all the seriousness, it, you, there is never, it's never too late to come back to God, right? And to get your life in order. Um, and, and if you want to have a sense of rootedness, if you want to stay rooted through all the chaos in the world, God is ultimately the rock that you need in your life. The kind of love mm-hmm. and warmth and strength that you feel, the things that the human body and human mind can do, especially when you're in alignment with the Lord and when you're doing what is right and what is just and you're truly trying to make a better place, you know, for as many people as you possibly can, that there is an incredible amount of power to that. And it's it's an important lesson for us all, especially as we start off a new year with plenty of lots of crazy stories already. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but I just want to start with that moment about or that that point about coming back to God, living mm-hmm. side by side with him, trying to be a disciple and bring his light into the world wherever you can. That's right. And remember that there, the parable in the Bible about um, planting your tree near the river. Um, I can't remember it very well, but if you, if you, if your tree is planted on sand or not deep, I'm going to have to relook at that parable, (laughs) but it has to do with building your house on a foundation. Uh, That's the one I think, I think I'm confusing. I'm convoluting uh, two, two parables, but there's one about building your house on a, on a foundation and one on sand. And when the, and maybe that is the same one with the tree, but if, if, if you're just a seed being sprinkled around on some rocks, the tree is going to blow over in the wind. If your roots are deep uh, in, in your faith and in the Lord, then uh, you can sustain all the headwinds and we have some headwinds facing us in 2024, but I thought it would be fun to start off the day with really good news. <laughs> oh gosh. It's, it's not very Christian of me to be laughing and mocking, but I love the fact that, you know, um, when, when the right thing happens, even if it's for the wrong reasons. And today president of Harvard of Harvard, Claudine Gay uh, ended up hoisted on her own, lying petard, and she was forced to resign today. In fact, um, I could read to you guys uh, her statement, but it's so much more fun having CNN be forced to read it. (laughs) So I pulled a couple clips from CNN. They're in reverse order in the stack, my dude, Sesame Broccolini. So if you can start with the one third down and play that first. Letter to the university today, Gay wrote that, quote, after consultation with members of the corporation, it has become clear that it is in the best interest of Harvard for me to resign so that our community can navigate this moment of extraordinary challenge with a focus on the institution rather than any individual. Oh, focus, uh, you know, that's always how it is when people are forced out because they got caught acting a fool. 
right? You know, they, you know, she's got to act like she's, you know, falling on her sword for the institution, Sesame Broccolini. She's just doing what's right for the institution after she got, she has been humiliated, not just in her dismal, disgraceful, despicable display at the college hearing on anti-Semitism, but then the plagiarism stories that came out, gee, what a coinky dink that six new allegations came out yesterday, Sesame Broccolini. Yeah, look, it's, and you know, the thing that has me, I am so glad that President Claudine, or former president, I love saying that, <laughs> Claudine Gay, I'm so glad that she's handling it like she is, saying that it's all about racism and oh, doing yeah, we this got with a greater... Oh, yeah, we got another clip on that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't even want to jump the gun then on that, but I, I'm just, this is great news, and it did happen yeah. for the right reasons, and I've... I want to yes. get into some of those other parts of her letter because it goes to it highlights the poison that is DEI oh, ideology. DEI exactly. is fruit well, then, from the poison yes. tree. It's the work of yes. the devil, and it needs to be rooted out from this country. And she is like that piece of fruit that's like all rotted. You know, it's like the worst <laughs> for me. I'm I'm not a big apple person because I I don't like like red delicious apples, and I don't like their mealy. She's like, yeah, she's like a red delicious apple. That's they're mealy anyway, right? I just don't. They're not crunchy. They're not crisp. They're all mealy. And then when they get rotted, they're all like bruised. It's ugh. You know that's what she is. So yeah, she she had some excuses. So first, uh, you know, CNN's got to lay the groundwork with her statement that you know she's just you know I can't. It's all about me. I, I've got to step aside for the good of the institution. Then she goes into victim mode, which is one of the things you were alluding to. If you could play um, the other the middle clip in the stack decision as quote dif difficult beyond words, and she used uh, deeply personal terms to describe the past few months. Uh, let me read what she said in this statement to the community. She said, it has been distressing to have doubt cast on my commitment to confronting hate and to upholding scholarly rigor, two bedrock values that are fundamental to who I am and frightening to be subjected to personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus. Wow. I mean, wow. It, this, if so much to say here on this. First of all, uh, it's just distressing to have anybody, you know, cast doubt on, you know, why I hate Jews when I refuse to condemn the, you know, the calling for them to be slaughtered and, and you know, uh, and the genocide against Jews. Oh, how distressing that anybody should question that. You know, I mean, the the it's so insulting to our intelligence, and obviously meant uh, for to be read by the legacy media to an audience of in the echo chamber that actually, of course, subscribes to anti-Semitism, and that would therefore see her as the victim, and then for her to act as though uh, to even call, uh, and then. I'm distressed that anybody would call into question where I stand on academic um, excellence, her commitment to academic excellence. Um, I, I, I'm actually astounded at how bad, to me, she proved exactly why she was busted with all the plagiarism. She, in fact, she probably didn't even write this. Somebody wrote it for her. But to me, I always said in corporate media, 
that I had to fire a lot of people. And the first time I did it, I was kind of nervous doing it. And then I never was again, because they, people always prove to you why they need to be fired on the way out the door. And that's exactly what her statement did. It proved exactly why she needed to go. Didn't it? Oh Sesame? yeah, no, it, it does. And it also, it's interesting because there are so many people who are not buying the grift anymore. Calling everything racist doesn't work anymore. It's not 2020. We're not dealing with the George Floyd riots anymore. She's coming out here along with Ibram X. Kendi and all these other quack pseudo-intellectuals sure. on Twitter saying it's just about toppling African-American folks in positions of power, which is just completely ridiculous. This is not about going after black people because of their race or going after anybody. She violated the school's policies and thought that she would be able to get out of it. And it turns out she's done it, at least allegedly, time and time and time again. At least half of her catalog, which is pretty small as it is, is full right. of stuff that is not hers. She's not fit right. for the job, plain and simple. The fact that this is even a discussion at all goes to show you how ridiculous the times that we're living in are. It, but it, it just well, yeah. That, and, and, and it's such and it's such a hashtag fail with this sentence because because for a couple reasons. First of all. Um, there is, um, she, to try to claim racism is, is just a complete ridiculous attempt here because one of her victims is, is an African-American woman who she grifted off of and whose work she literally stole. And Carol Swain said on Steve Bannon's show today that she has an attorney that neither Harvard nor nor Gay has apologized to her or owned anything as to the fact that her work has been stolen. And in, in, in her, it, it's her intellectual property, that Carol Swain's property, as well as others, that was stolen. And so you can't claim that you're a victim of racism when the people that you victimized were the same color. So that's a problem for her here. That's one of the reasons why she had to go because Carol Swain is on her heels and she ain't going anywhere and she's not backing down. And with six new plagiarism claims, uh, Claudine Gay had to go. And here's one of the things that is so um, despicable to me about her claiming racism is that she is not resigning because of the way that she fostered uh, hatred and anti-Semitism and violence against Jews, but because of her plagiarism that Harvard thought they were going to be able to sweep under the rug. Let nobody be resting on the falsehood that she's paying any kind of price for her anti-Semitism because that's not what's going down here. Correct? Correct. Sesame? No, correct. Correct. Unfortunately, by the way, I mean, this is at some point, I mean, it's a good thing that's happening, but it took far too long, and we should be very clear here. Harvard has been a hub of extremist and, in many cases, anti-Semitic radicals, especially with professors, for many, many years. Go back to 2002. You have a Harvard professor talking about abolishing the white race, talking about abolishing Israel. This is not a new trend. However, obviously, Claudine Gay had an opportunity to completely condemn anti-semitism and she whiffed it but that's not ultimately what it comes down to and that's a sad thing because people still need to know i don't think harvard is showing any remorse for supporting no. anti-semitic radical professors who every single day are chanting the same propaganda talking points that you hear from hamas leaders like the two officials who looks it looks like they've just been killed if i'm hearing that correctly so yeah. you know it's yeah. it's 
Harvard is not apologizing. She's not apologizing. This is a good thing insofar as the end. The end result is good. But not, let's not, you know, mince our words here and pretend like <laughs> they came to God or had some massive no. change of heart and they're saying, oh, well, we need to adjust no. our position. We were wrong. That's not what's no. going on here. No apology still, no remorse, and no honor among thieves. And plagiarism is Absolutely. theft. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, um, and in fact, I pulled a little bit more of that CNN uh, report with Harvard uh, Corporation's response, if you could play that. Corporation put out its own statement saying that they accept this resignation with uh, deep sorrow. And they'd said that Gay acknowledged some missteps, uh, but they also described um, resilience that she showed in the face of what they called <laughs> racist vitriol in yeah. private emails and private phone calls. See, that, that's exactly the point. If you're, you're st that, that word, the, that, that grift, the racism grift, it's not going to work anymore. Just blaming so, everything on racism is so last yes. year. She's shown resilience in the face as they, oh, she's made some missteps. No, and CNN went on to talk about how she offered corrections. Uh, no, uh, uh, offering corrections after you've been busted for plagiarism is not accountability. And by the way, she may have, they had, and, and, and one of the things to, um, and Harvard's statement was quite lengthy, um, they they thanked her for her deep and unwavering commitment to Harvard and the pursuit of academic excellence. She still has a job at Harvard, by the way. She will continue to be a professor. So what they have done with this by accepting her resignation as president of Harvard is they have continued to endorse and done nothing to address the anti-Semitism against their Jewish students, which involves threats of violence, nor have they done anything to hold her accountable for her, her stealing other people's work, which was part of her curriculum vitae, part of her CV that got her the job in the first place. They have complete egg on their face. They're a complete disaster. They're a crap show of an institution. And they should and there should not be another dime of any taxpayer money going to them. And the Jewish community should not be accepting this. There's been no apology in any way, shape, or form. No, this is not a repercussion for her because they're couching this as her being the victim. We're going to continue the discussion when we come back. So don't go anywhere. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, FM 96.1, and streaming all over the world. Andrea K, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. At the open of the show, we were talking about the breaking news today that uh, Claudine Gay has resigned uh oh she had to fall on her sword to save harvard oh you know i'm just wondering when marvel is going to come out with a superhero uh, uh, story of her uh and who do you think will play her will it be oprah <laughs> <laughs> i doubt it because 50 cent has been hitting Oprah hard, claiming she's been stealing from black voters for a long time, not paying what they needed to pay. So I don't know uh, if Oprah is going to be uh, running around uh, in uh, the costume as the superhero Claudine Gay, or if she will even be producing it. Um, but I had that before we wrap the story, Mark Lamont Hill, who remembers Mark Lamont Hill? He used to be on Fox News all the time years ago, back um, when I still watch Fox News, which was a long time ago. 
And uh, he's quite the anti-Semite. He, um, I think he might have even lost a professor job uh, somewhere along the way because of that. Well, he tweeted out today that Harvard must, must replace Claudine Gay with another black woman. And the comments from people on Twitter was so great. Somebody was like, no, you need, Harvard needs to find a wheelchair bound Pan Pacific. I mean, people were just like listing off all these different identity groups. It was actually quite funny. Um, but, you know, the, it, it, this is so classic left, right? Sesame, they're not going to admit that it was a fail, that she's at humiliation for Harvard. She lasted six months and two days, <laughs> shortest in history. <laughs> Sean Spicer lasted longer as the spokesperson, I think. No, who was the other one? The little guy who was like there for half an hour. No, no, no. He was the spokesperson. Oh, yeah. And there's all kinds of jokes about him. Little short guy. Um, he ended up, he was a spokesperson for literally like a day for Trump. I can't remember. <laughs> we want to hear. Trump. Somebody let us know. Little, little <laughs> yes, email me. I know Sandy will email me. She'll, she'll get it right. Um, there were so many jokes about this guy, how he didn't last very long. And then he came out against Trump um in 2020 and thinking he was going to get a gig on the cnn um so you know it's just it, it, and one and carol swain's response was you know one of the things that now they're trying to the, the dei is all about lowering standards under the guise of equality and inclusion and lowering standards is just detrimental to everybody um it's not what harvard's supposed to be about you've got the greatest supposed at one point considered the greatest uh, upper education institution in the world. And now they're literally on board with plagiarism and lowering standards to accept plagiarism because of skin color. It couldn't get any worse than that. Yes. Can it, no. Sesame? And you, you, you make such a good point because so many, I mean, just think about it historically, the role that Harvard university has played in this country, the vast majority of us presidents Harvard graduates, the vast majority of Supreme Court justices, including people that I like, Harvard graduates. Harvard spent hundreds of years, literally centuries, cultivating a reputation for excellence, integrity, a dedication to truth, and to Judeo-Christian values, the same values that built this country. Buildings in Harvard are literally older than this country, but they threw all of that away on somebody who doesn't even care enough to play by the rules. Somebody who's somebody tarnished that, the reputation. Somebody right, who minimizes anti-Semitism. So yeah. Right. For somebody that's so dumb, she can't even do her own work. Unbelievable. Right? And, and and then there's there's a CNN, of course. Um, it, it, this reporter, Matt Egan, said that, um, you know, some of the initial plagiarism ac allegations, quote, came from activists, not ac activists who were fired up, quote, and I'm reading a quote, who were fired up about academic citation. It was really right wing ad ad activists who feel that a lot of these Ivy League presidents are too liberal. He goes, it was more like uh, sloppy attributions than stealing anyone's ideas. Are you kidding wow. me? Sloppy wow attributions. Right. Really? Yeah. Wow. She was lifting entire paragraphs. Sister friend probably could not even successfully order a, a kid's meal at McDonald's without somebody writing it out for her. I mean, this is how bad it is. <laughs> you would think that Harvard, you're right. They have thrown, you know, centuries of reputation 
and and a whole lot of donor money out the window, by the way, down the drain. This is how committed communists are to their end game. Well, then let it not be for those donors money. now. It's the same thing. Let's not pretend it's a principled thing like we were talking about earlier. Donors started pulling money from the school, and now they're mm-hmm. changing their tune. Only slightly, because she is still going to be a professor, but they are changing their tune at least a little bit. And that and that's probably because the money is drying up. And they're afraid of that. Mm-hmm. So it's the gravy train's leaving the station, and that scares them. It's not about principle. It's not about remorse or even apologizing whatsoever. And it's not even really much of a change. It's more of a technical change because she's still going to be a professor. Shaping minds, spewing anti-Semitism. It, the, the problem is still there. Nothing is changing. No, no, nothing's changing at all. And you know what else isn't changing about the Democrats? Uh, stealing elections and electioneering. And, you know, why bother with uh, those pesky absentee ballots trying to come up with a ground game for that or stuffing, hiring mules to stuff mail-in ballot boxes? Let's just take the number one competitor off the ballot. Joining us next is uh, Paul Kaminar. He is from the National Legal Policy Center, and he's going to be here to discuss the latest on that when we come back. This is the Andrea K. Show on AIM 1170, FM 96.1, and streaming all over the world. Andrea K. Telling you like it is while eating a donut too. It's the Andrea K. Show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. So I, I think I was saying before the break that uh, one of the things that Democrats are really good at is uh, coming up with clever new ways of electioneering and controlling outcomes of the elections and doing all kinds of ways to manipulate it, if not outright stealing the election. Um, And, you know, but why not, you know, why bother though with, especially after what was that organization that was busted out of Michigan that was operating in 20 States um, when the get with the gal that was arrested, stuffing ballot boxes of 10,000 phony absentee and mail-in ballots. Why bother paying all these people and setting up shop? How about just taking the opponent off the ballot, right? And we've seen that happen in Colorado. We saw Friday, the Secretary of State for the state of Maine, Bellows, she just decided to, quote, disqualify Trump off the ballot because she came to the conclusion that he had incited an insurrection. Joining me now to discuss is, and I'm no comma JD, JD, I'm not an attorney, um, but this certainly doesn't seem to me uh, to be following the U.S. Constitution. And uh, we clearly these things are going to, these cases are going to end up in the courts, if not all the way to SCOTUS. So um, where does this lead? And so joining me now to discuss is Paul Kaminar. He's lead counsel at the National Legal Policy Center. Hello, Mr. Kaminar. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Jeff, thank you for having me. Good evening. Good evening to you, sir. Okay, so um, I don't know. I think the let's start with Colorado. Okay. Because it, it well, and I don't really know if we need to talk about them separately because I'm not a, an attorney. Um, they are a little bit different in which in Colorado there was a, a, a case that was brought and then it was heard 
uh, went up through the appellate and then the state Supreme Court. Now there's been um, appeals to the Supreme Court to hear that case. I'm not sure how different that is from a legal standpoint between that situation and Maine, where we've got a secretary of state who just says, you know, I've concluded he's an insurrectionist and therefore is disqualified from the from the ballot. From a legal standpoint, what's the difference between these and is either one constitutional? Yes, thank you. There are uh, like 20 or so of these cases pending around the country. And uh, so far, two states, Colorado and Maine, has ruled that Trump should not be on the ballot for allegedly being uh, guilty of insurrection or rebellion under the 14th Amendment. The uh, two uh, decisions are basically the same, but it's just uh, reached uh, through a different process. The one in Colorado was reached uh, by a five-day kind of mini-trial, and uh, the uh, uh, Supreme Court uh, upheld that decision in a four-to-three opinion. So you can see there, even in liberal uh, Colorado, uh, you had uh, three judges dissenting from that. In in Maine, uh, their state law provides that the Secretary of State in charge of elections can make that decision. She had some kind of a uh, small hearing to decide it, but under their law, she's the one that makes the first decision. And now that case is being appealed to the Maine Supreme Court, the one in Colorado, uh, is being appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, but eventually the one in Maine will probably also end up in the Supreme Court. Um, but I think the one in Colorado is the one that the Supreme Court is being asked uh, by uh, the parties to hear that right away uh, and make a decision, because otherwise uh, these various states have requirements to put the candidate's name on the ballots to be sent out to overseas voters, the military, and so forth. So there is a sense of urgency that the Supreme Court uh, decide to take it, number one, and then number two, uh, make its decision uh, quickly by having a briefing and oral argument and a decision uh, uh, as soon as possible. But we won't know what's going to happen there in the Supreme Court for uh, – at least, uh, I'd say, a, a few days or until next week uh, to see whether they will, what they're going to do with the case. Um, Gorsuch is the one that's going to, is because it, it, isn't he the one that has, because they rotate in terms of who takes up uh, these types of emergency requests. And a lot of the people on the left are gleeful thinking that Gorsuch, because he's made decisions in the past that states have the right to make decisions, uh, you know, about their elections, that they're expecting Gorsuch um, to, you know, to you know, bring the, uh, I guess, accept hearing the case. At, at that point, what happens? Are there full oral yeah. arguments? Okay. Sure. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, yeah, Gorsuch is is from uh, uh, Colorado, so so he is the what they call the circuit justice for that uh, district uh, out there in the tenth uh, circuit area. So any uh, preliminary uh, motions to 
to uh, issue the, uh, the stay of the case or what have you would go through him. But this is going to be decided by the full court. They're having their meeting this Friday, uh, what they call their uh, conference, where they decide whether to take uh, cases that have been pending before them uh, for the last uh, few weeks. So there's a lot of petitions for review pending there, and this is one of them. So uh, we will hear uh, probably by uh, um, uh, next Monday whether the Supreme Court uh, decided to take the case and uh, whether uh, when the hearing will be. Now, in terms of how the court's going to rule, um, I predict that the court will uh, strike down the Colorado court. Uh, the notion that that uh, this is something that uh, the courts should not get involved in because this is a matter of states deciding who goes on the ballot is really nonsense because uh, what's at stake here is the constitutional amendment and uh, the 14th Amendment, particularly Section 3, and only uh, the Supreme Court can give a definitive answer to what that uh, uh, constitutional amendment uh, means. So uh, this is not something where uh, the state courts will be deferred to, uh, in my opinion. If there were something else involved, like a, uh, under local law, whether someone uh, uh, has to uh, uh, reside in the state for X number of days to run for Congress or the Senate, that's that's local law kind of stuff. That's not stuff that the Supreme Court gets involved in. This, on the other hand, involves a constitutional provision, right. and and I, well, I, I predict. Yeah. Well, excuse me for interrupting, but sure. before I lose my train of thought, so the Secretary sure. of State in Maine, um, how is it? You know, does the Constitution provide a local Secretary of State to just decide how people get disqualified? Because, yeah, I mean, they have to make sure people are qualified. There's an age requirement to be, right. you know, to, to be on the ballot for president. You've got right. to be a natural born citizen and those things. Right. But I'm not aware of anything that allows somebody to just go, you know what? I personally think he's an insurrectionist, even though Donald Trump has not been prosecuted. He has not been charged right. for insurrection in any of the cases, let alone being convicted of it. Right. I, 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 I'm I, I'm. How can that that even be a possibility to me? It's, right. uh, you know, I, I would imagine that that would be, uh, you know, it, that's not our that's not in front of the Supreme Court. So if if but clearly with the Colorado wouldn't um, and they if they were to take that, wouldn't that affect Maine as well and Rhode Island? Oh, well, yeah, the no, rest? it would, because the issue you're talking about is whether or not the Section three of the 14th Amendment is what's called self-executing, meaning does the provision on its face apply the law or does Congress have to enact a law to sort of flesh out what that means? And sure enough, uh, it's no surprise that the 14th Amendment itself has a provision at the very end that says Congress shall have the power to pass legislation mm -hmm. to implement this amendment. So the argument being made uh, uh, in the Supreme Court uh, by Trump uh, is that uh, this is not a self-executing provision. You can't just have uh, different courts and different secretaries of state decide whether or not he was guilty of insurrection or rebellion, that you have to have Congress 
put some meat on the bones and pass a law saying what does that constitute and how is one to be uh, uh, decided to be an insurrectionist or, or uh, in rebellion. And sure enough, uh, Congress did pass a similar law, uh, the uh, uh, law uh, that prohibits what's called sedition, uh, a sedition act. And sure enough, a, a couple of the Proud Boys were indicted on seditious conspiracy and were convicted. Uh, but that provision, uh, Jack Smith could have charged uh, Trump with that as well, but he didn't because he realized that Trump is not guilty of that or could not be right. proven to be guilty of that in a court of law. Uh, and plus, he's got other defenses, namely he had a First Amendment right to give his speech at the rally that told his supporters to to uh, uh, go to the Capitol and and to, uh, uh, you know, try to peacefully, as he said, march to the Capitol and make their views known. Uh, so I think the Mayor Garland and the special counsel said, look, we don't have uh, the evidence or the law to go after Trump on this. So they charging him with something else called fraud of the United States for defrauding <laughs> people's votes or something, stuff like that. It's, so it's so, so you're right. You know. I, I think, so the Supreme Court's going to have to make a decision for all these states because you can't have uh, different states in a patchwork quilt pattern decide in one state that he is guilty of insurrection and that state's not. But nevertheless, there's another argument that I think is a valid one and may be one that some of the justices may rule on and agree that regardless if he was guilty of insurrection or a rebellion, this 14th Amendment doesn't mention the president to be have it applied to him. It mentions members of Congress, members of the Senate, president electors, vice president electors, and then it says civil and military officers who took an oath of office to protect the Constitution. Well, the Supreme Court has long stated that those officers, these ones who are other officers of the United States, are those who have been appointed by the president. Mm -hmm. Now, the president and members of Congress and so forth uh, were, were, were uh, uh, elected. So for those who were elected, the amendment specifies which people who were elected does this apply to. And it doesn't mention the president. So one argument is that the president holds a different office under the Constitution, a special one. He takes a different oath of office than every other uh, officer of the United States does. And so that's another argument that uh, is being made. And, and it could very well be that you might have some of the justices say, oh, this doesn't apply to Trump because uh, uh, he's not an officer under this amendment. And others might say, well, it doesn't apply to him because this is not self-executing, that, that you haven't had Congress put meat on the bones. So you may have a, a fractured or divided opinion where the court may reverse the uh, Colorado Court of Appeals, but for different reasons. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, I think that's the way it's going to end up. Uh, but uh, in any event, uh, the court will have to rule on this because uh, you can't have, like I said, these other states going their own different way yeah. on this. Well, I certainly expect them to do the right thing here. This is this is a court that um, pushed that uh, under literal threats to their lives after the Dobbs decision was leaked, oh, yeah. still did made the right legal decision, 
in my opinion, as a non-attorney, and I believe that they would do the right thing here. And I appreciate you being here tonight yep. because you know, I feel like uh, with the abuse of our courts uh, for political power, it's important for Americans to hear from an attorney uh, the legal aspects. And you did a great job in presenting that in a way that anybody could understand. And we, we, we should be able to feel good right now uh, about this going forward legally. Thank you so much for being here, Paul Kamenar. I appreciate great. it. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Thank you. You too. All right. Stick around, guys, because we've got one more segment in this hour of the uh, Andrea K. Show. Don't go away. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay show. Um, There was uh, continuing quickly a few minutes left. I I forgot to mention we were talking to Paul Kaminar before the break about uh, the the left's latest thing in controlling the outcome of elections is to uh, deny the the votes of voters by taking Trump off the ballot. Um, I, one of the things I forgot to mention before I get your take on this sesame is that uh, Alabama Republican uh, Representative Carl said that this is this is COVID for 2024, that just like they played off of fear over COVID uh, to push mail-in ballots, now they're trying to scare people about Trump uh, being a threat to democracy. So they've got to they've got to suppress they've got to do voter suppression uh, to fight voter suppression. Um, but your thoughts on all of it? Yeah, it just confirms a few things to me. It was really interesting to hear, you know, a, a JD talk about the constitutional interpretations of which offices would theoretically be prohibited from running for office, none of which apply to mm-hmm. the president, it seems. However, the whole point of this is that the process is the punishment. That's number one. Number two, it's a weaponization of the law. This is not law enforcement. This is going after Trump for non-existent crimes that he's never been charged for simply because they know if they put the vote to the people, they will lose. That is a fact. And I don't think that Biden, Mm -hmm. by the way, is going to be the nominee next year. But what I will say is I generally I'm feeling much better after that segment, just knowing that the constitutionality of this is it's so weak and so egregious that mm-hmm. it, I don't think this effort's going to go very far at all. Having said that, the fact that we're even here is historic in a way because the yeah. last time Democrats tried to remove a presidential candidate from the ballot, it was Abraham Lincoln in the election of yeah. 1860. So yes. we're, we, we are circling back. History is... I don't know if it, if it repeats itself, but it does rhyme, like Mark Twain always said, and we're, we're living through it. So I just want people to realize Democrats are so desperate to try mm-hmm. to ensure that their people get into office, that they are, they're so de- desperate to allegedly saving democracy, they'll just end it. They'll just flat out oh, end democracy. All the Democratic norms, all the talk about Biden's here and the adults are back in the room and Trump was, you know, un- uh, uprooting our Democratic norms. This is what the Democrats mean by Democratic norms, re-engineering yeah. the system so that they always get what they want. So I want people to realize yep. this is an attack on America. It should not, this kind of treason should not be a left-right issue, but it is, sadly. You would think all Americans yeah. would look at this and say it's disgusting and it has to stop. 
That's my thought. Right. I mean, they, it, it, you know, the, the key point is that they know that they can't win uh, at the ballot box legitimately. They know you look at the approval numbers, uh, the Bidenomics issues. There's there's no way that they can win this there. He couldn't have won it in 2020. They had to steal it. And they're on the they're on the theft hunt again. And that's what all of this is about. Um, we're going to take a break. We come back. we got a lot more to get into in the hour two of the first Andrea K show for 2024. So don't y'all go anywhere. Get yourself a cup of tea or maybe something uh, icy cold to drink, maybe a little snacky. And come on back because we will be here. And Brian Maloney from Red Wave America will join us. Who is John Doe 36? We're going to be talking about that and more. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 